Welcome, everyone. Welcome back to the Sebi Podcast Radio Show live and streaming in all social media platforms and inside the studios of WNSC. The madness, the madness that is March is upon us and a lot of college basketball to discuss. Mike and I discuss that and also the second half of the NBA season and much, much more live inside Studio Z. Let's get to it. This is Sebi Podcast. Welcome those of you back here inside Studio Z, inside WNSC Radio, my man and my ride DMV partner, Michael Gray, back at it again. Inside Studio Z, seems like it's been forever, Mike, since we've seen each other, man. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a good little minute, you know, back and forth. Uh, you've been being real busy, but, you know, I'm, going, I'm glad to get back to it with you, brother. How you been? Yeah, we've been good. We've been superb. Uh, obviously, from Valentine's weekend to what happened Last week at the All-Star Game, couldn't be the best time for sports in particular. So uh, we're having a blast out there. How about you? The winter is upon us for sure in the DMV area, for sure. Oh, yeah. The weather out here is getting crazy, y'all. It's coach season for sure. No more hoodies. No more. It's, it's coach season. It's, it's about that time. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah it's, make sure everybody needs to be, be prepared for it. Everybody needs to prepare for it, for sure. As spring is upon, I know you're waiting for those uh, blooming roses and all of those dandelions to grow. <laughs> waiting, for, waiting for spring to come anytime soon, right? Yeah, no doubt, man. No, 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 no doubt. It's always a breath of fresh air. It's like the start of a new year. No doubt there for sure as well. And into our world, the sports world, there's a lot of things that is going on from Champions League to the soccer world where that's kicked off to the NBA who's in full swing in the second half of the season to college basketball. The madness is upon us. And that's where we're going to kick off today, Mike, with our opening segment today, folks. Our opening segment is proud and presented by Geico. That's right. All of our regional Central Florida partners. That's right. Geico Gecko, even a gecko knows that 15 minutes can save you 15% on your car insurance. Geico. Proud partners of the SEBI Podcast Radio Show. And Mike, we'll start off with the madness that is March. A lot of teams, you know, we start to get to see the pretenders and the contenders at this moment. Late February, headed into that conference championship and headed to early March where um, they start to position themselves there for sure. So why don't we start off with some of the teams? I'm going to start off with Maryland for sure, right in your DMV area. That, that That's like the team that's right there in your backyard right now, as it stands, Maryland atop of the big 10, it's presumed to be nine or 10 teams, Mike, to, that can actually get in this uh, March madness in this bracket in March with 10 or nine teams from 
this tournament, it's looked to see as the creme of the creme in college basketball and the best conference in America. Yeah, but yeah, the Big, Big Ten basketball is really, really talking. They're talking. They're really, they're really having a prime season this year as far as the competitive nature inside the conference. I mean, you know, when when these teams go against other teams outside the conference, yeah, yeah, they 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 show everybody what they can do. But when they come together and they play against each other and they battle it out for the regular season title and uh, tournament coming up, oh man, this it's it's been some of the best basketball we've seen in a while, especially this year by far. I mean, when you look at Maryland, when you look at Ohio State. A team like Ohio State that just defeated Maryland, but they've also defeated already this season four top teams, top ten teams in the country, and uh, yep, it's, just, it's yep. just great. It's great competition throughout this, throughout throughout this uh, the entire conference. And Maryland right now has been the most impressive, in my opinion, in the conference. They've they've shown me that they they know how to respond well to adversity. That they're 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 showing uh, that they're, they're they want to be consistent this year, and uh, they, their players are playing at a high level. You got Smith Jr. In the post, uh, having a great year, Anthony Cohen Jr. He he's 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 playing sensational basketball. We have to give a lot of a lot of credit to Mark Scherzer and what he's done with this team because uh, right. they're showing they're showing their veteran leadership and they're showing they're showing that they 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 want to resurrect uh, the, these last few years and and prove why this is one of the best teams in the country. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you had some great prospects from there from. Uh, Rashil Suleiman to, yep. of of course, Mellow Trimble and all these cats. But we see in this Maryland team that their their emphasis is defense, and they go as Anthony Cohen, uh, preseason All American, and also Jalen Smith Jr. Yep. is the catalyst for this team. And and you're right, Mike. I mean, you look at it right now. Maryland is second in the country. Nobody has more quad one wins, true quad one wins than Maryland mm-hmm. at the moment. So that's huge for them. But let's stay in this in this. Uh, conference here for sure coming out obviously the return of Tillman and Winston mm-hmm. for Michigan State we thought that they'd be better than what they've been this year and also Michigan getting back Xavier Simpson livers is back as well so Jawan Howard um being the coach now but where's where's this Big Ten has been it's been a little bit up and down seems like Purdue's been a lot of up and down as well so um, what do you see so far? What I've seen is a lot of inconsistency for some very good basketball teams, uh, Sebi. Uh, Michigan, let's start off with – I'm glad you brought up Michigan State because they've they vastly underachieved this year. When you look at how – where the committee – the committee had them ranked at the preseason number one in the country this year. And they've, they've – they've, they, uh, by those standards, they've, they've tremendously underachieved. But this is still one of those teams where I feel like it could come tournament time and come, come uh, conference tournament time. Tom Izzo will have his guys ready. Like you said, uh, Cash right. and Tillman are, are guys that have been in the tournament before. This is nothing new to them. Uh, when, when they come up, they'll be ready for it. And it's something about this team that I just – I would never rule them out in the, in the tournament because they're, they're right there. They, that, that experience really matters uh, in, in those big moments. With Jawan Howard in Michigan, they started off a, a, little, a little ruckus, a little, a little slow, and it came out. It's, this is first year, so I wasn't, I wasn't expecting too much. I mean, they came out the gate smoking. Like, yeah, they came, the came out Atlantis. smoking, right? Came out smoking, but then, but then, then, then fell off, fell off a little bit and started to lose some, some very tight games. Um, I wasn't expecting too much from Jawan Howard in his first year in order to, be, you know, really get accustomed to coaching on the collegiate level. And um, you know, I, I expect for him to really make a splash and for his team to really make noise next year. But the, 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 he's learning right now. It's a learning process for him, and he's going through that maturation process right now. But um. Purdue is another one of those very, very, very uh, interesting teams as well because they have uh, some immense talent on that team and can really make some noise in the tournament as well. But they've 
underachieved by their standards in the regular season this this so far. So, uh, it's, it, this Big Ten has been very competitive. Uh, the, the even the, the lower seeds, the lower teams have uh, had some upsets against some of the some some of the more elite teams in the, in the conference, and it's it's been one of those 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 it's been one of those conferences where you really never know. You can never uh, put your hat all in one basket. You really have to spread it around and really see. Uh, what it is because you're just looking just by looking at records, uh, it, it doesn't tell the whole story about how how competitive this conference is. And Mer- Maryland is at the top, but it's a lot of teams in the in the bubble that can really make some noise deep deep down in this march. Night in and night out, you know, in the Big Ten, you're gonna get a battle rumble there for sure. Uh, uh, lastly, before we go to other conference here, a team that's in the Big Ten that's really popped my eyes this year is the resurgence of the Hawkeyes of Iowa. Mm-hmm. They got this guy that could potentially be a wooden award winner in Garza. Mm-hmm. Big man inside averaging 23 and 10. Nobody in the nation has more double-doubles than him. Not even Uzebeki from Kansas. So uh, Iowa, to me, is a dangerous team. Uh, Pre-Big Ten Conference Championship and entering the tournament. Your thoughts on them? Yeah, you're right. I- Iowa is fast. They're a fast basketball team. You're right. Luka Garza. Has been one of the most exceptional scorers in the, in college basketball this year, and uh, you know in the tournament you're gonna need that later on. You some, sometimes you know you might have those those times where your offense gets stagnant, and you need that one guy that can just carry you and take you over the hump. And that's what Luca Garza is. I, I love this Iowa team. They can defend at a high clip, and 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 they uh and they, and they make big time plays down the stretch of games and know how to suffocate you defensively. I like this Iowa basketball team, and I think um, depending on the matchups that they go up against, and depending on where they rank in this Big Ten tournament coming up, I see them. I see them potentially, and, and also depending on what seeding they get, they 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 can definitely make some noise. I, I'm very, I was, I've been very impressed with this Iowa basketball team so far this year. Yeah, no doubt. Let's go to a conference that you know about for sure that you actually cover uh, in the Big East. A team to me that I've seen all year long. And to me, right just from the eye test, seems like a final four contender, and that's Seton Hall. And this guy, Miles Powell, to me, um, if not Obi Toppin of Dayton, uh, they're right there with me and as my pick for player of the year. I mean, this guy is a certified bucket getter. He wears 13. He reminds you of James Harden of college basketball, a tough shot maker in crucial moments. And this time, it seems like Kevin Willard's team has got everything figured out uh, this Jersey team has been knocking on the door for years, but now they're on the latest bracket. They look as high as a three seed. Quincy McKnight is an absolute two-way defender uh, as their point guard. They actually got the big man back. I can't remember his name. Romero Jill and that high pick and roll with Quincy and also Miles Powell can create damages come March because we know guard play is huge. So to me, Seton Hall looks like a contender as a final four opponent. How about yourself? They definitely are a contender. This team has impressed me. They've they've got some some big time wins under their belt. They they've dominated the competition, especially some of the uh some some top competition already in the Big East. You know they they went to Villanova and beat them in Philly for the first time in over twenty five years. I mean this 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 team has some elite talent on them. Miles Powell, we all know he's a stud. He's an NBA caliber player. Still still in college, still, still in college basketball doing his thing. And they're like, I'm, I'm so glad you brought up Quincy McKnight because I don't think he gets enough credit for what right. he does for this team. Not only is he the point, he's the facilitator. He plays great defense. He knocks down, he knocks down uh, threes at a very high clip. This is a special basketball player. And um, you know, if it wasn't for the greatness of Miles Powell, we we'd be talking about Quincy Knight, Quincy McKnight a lot more often. Uh, like like you said, Obi Obiaju, 
he's 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 come back to the lineup and giving them some great minutes. Defensively, this is a special team. But but the, the and, and the guy I can't <laughs> name his name, Mamu. I, I call him Mamu. He's he's yeah. Come back. Yeah, before that. Yeah, 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 no, yeah, no, no doubt. He he's come back for him, and um, yeah, it's one of those things, Sebi, where it, Seton Hall is going to be very formidable because they can win close games. They have right. closers on this team, and they they, they have the, the ability to 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 get stops late in games. And Miles Powell is one of those guys that can have one of those uh, Kimball Walker like tournament runs if he gets hot. He's just one of those special, sensational players, and Seton Hall is is definitely in. For a a long tournament run, if, if if they if they handle their business and come in locked in with the focus that they've had all season, yeah, no doubt there for sure. Uh, staying in that conference there for sure, not the real spark of the Villanova teams that we know in the past. There's no Bridges, Hart, or any different chins or anything like that. But um, they stay steady. Jay Wright, we know a quality coach that he is. But this guy Sadiq Bay, all of a sudden, is starting to make a name for himself. Yeah, Villanova, Villanova is, is 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 definitely one of the you're right. By their standards, they haven't had a great season this year or all world season. They've they've suffered some tough losses, like that that, that lost the Butler at the buzz at the buzzer. Right. Uh, it was it was a, it, losing to Seton Hall at home, of course. They they've suffered some tough losses, but this is again a well coached basketball team and a very well run program. And Jay Wright has these guys playing some great basketball. Uh, Sadiq Bay is balling. Colin Colin Gillespie he can knock down some big time shots. Uh, Brian Antoine, it's, this is a this is a, this is a nice ball club and, and a solid a solid crew of great players that that come together and really know how to play the game of basketball. And in the tournament with Jay Wright, I, you this is one of those teams that just like Michigan State, you can never rule them out because of because of how well they're running, how they 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 bought into the system. Yep, coaching is a huge thing. Butler to me started off hot. Kamara oh, Baldwin, okay. uh, the McDermott brother. But kind of tailed off as of late. Uh, what 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 happened to the Bulldogs? Ah, man, it's it's, it's really hard to say because they said they had one of my favorite coaches in Laval Jordan, and um, you know when 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 they were winning, they they were winning a big time. But I think they ran into a tough stretch. That that just lets you know how competitive this Big East is. You know, the, at, at one moment you could be uh, beating some top teams, but then um, it it could be one loss in the season that could really mess mess up the psyche of a team. And I'm not gonna lie to you, Sebi. I think that game. They were riding high, but I think I, I think that game after they lost to Georgetown at home and undermanned Georgetown that was without their two best players that they lost they they let that game fumble and then they came back and they they lost uh, at the buzzer to Seton Hall on the road. I think those two games right there may have messed up the psyche of this team over the last last week or so because they were riding high. You know, they, Kamar Baldwin had just hit that that game winning three against uh, Villanova and, and this team was this team was on a nice high and really really looking good and, and lately they just they just slipped defensively they haven't had the same intensity on the defensive side and that has carried over offensively and they 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 just they've just dropped the ball in the fourth quarter when when it's time to win games you know losing right. that buzzer to Seton Hall but but just losing the way they lost to Georgetown I think really tells you where they are mentally right now and it's going to take a, a a Herculean effort from Laval Jordan to get them over that mental hurdle and get them ready to, uh, for later on in life because it's a few games outside of that Georgetown game that they've let slip away but Butler, I think Butler is one of those teams. I love Laval Jordan. He'll have his guys ready, and I think they'll be in the mix in the conversation for the tournament and for the uh, for the Big East tournament and for March Madness. Yes, Butler's probably a, a lock for an at-large bid, but the schedule down the stretch is brutal. Yeah. <laughs> Next upcoming games uh, leading to the Big East tournament you know in what, Madison Sebi? Square Garden. You know yeah. what, Sebi? I think that actually is better for them because they play better 
when they go against tougher competition, whereas they're going against a much much more inferior opponent. They they don't they don't bring their best. So I, I think this is this is better for them that they're going against tough competition to finish the season up. Right, right. Another couple of teams that's looking outside but trying to get in is the team that you covered, the the, the Georgetown Hoyas. Yep. Um, so uh, what do they have to do down the stretch, Mike, to try to see if they can uh, get in and probably do some damage maybe in the Big East tournament to kind of help their case? They need to continue to close out games better and um, and come out fast, come out aggressive. That same intensity that they've had on the road that they came out with against Butler, uh, getting a big road win, they need that against Marquette tomorrow. They need that on Sunday against Xavier. We need to come out with these fast starts. But I'm not only coming out to these fast starts uh, for Georgetown, they need to also uh, be able to sustain them in the second half because we've seen them. Uh, it's been a few times I, I, when I covering them they, where, where they come out fast in the first half. They have these hot starts. But then when teams start to make adjustments in the second half and begin to figure them out and, and stay composed, we've seen them crumble and, and look stagnant offensively. So it, I think it's all about playing a complete game. Patrick Ewan has these guys playing hard. Playing hard is not the problem. It's just knocking down shots. You know, because without Mac McClung and without Omer Yurtseven, they're two best offensive players on the team. It's been it's been a struggle for this team to find shots. Uh, you know, they have uh, exceptional players, uh, exceptional talent on this team as far as, you know, where they can find scoring from Jamarco Pickett, Terrell Allen, Jagan Mosley, uh, guys like that, that outside of McClung and Yurtseven that can, that can get uh, buckets. But they, they just have to be more consistent. They just have to knock, knock, knock down more shots, play within the offense. And, um, and and let things come to them. I think they'll be fine because defensively, I'm not going to lie to you, Sebi, the, Georgetown is a better defensive team when Mac McClung is off the court. Or, or when he's when he's off the court defensively, uh, th- this team is uh, intensity skyrockets because they're length. They have that that long length that just disrupts offensive flow. So uh, if they if they can continue that def- defensive intensity, but also be able to put some more points on the board, I think this Georgetown team is uh, can definitely. Give go from being the one of Joe Lenardi's last four out to possibly one of his next four in. Yes, indeed. Let's take a broader look into the college basketball landscape this week weekend. Something that we never seen, right? So all of these long streaks is is gone to an end. San Diego State at twenty six and zero. Oh yeah. Really play anybody in the Mountain West, but you are. But who you your records say you are, and who's on your schedule? Going to UNLV, not an easy place to play in Vegas for some reason. And they're kids, so we already know they're getting distracted. So they lost there by three. I wouldn't say the Baylor one is much of an upset. Kansas and, and, and Baylor, they're just one in three. I mean, that, that's not really a big upset to me. Right. Uh, Baylor going into the fog earlier this year and beating them, this was kind of payback for that. Uzebeki and Dotson was huge in, in that game. And also Gonzaga losing to BYU. Traditionally and historically, BYU is always giving Gonzaga a lot of problems there. So three of the top five is gone down. So to me, I think this year is more open than any other year as a champion. So when we look at a broader thing, any of these teams that lost in the top five, that kind of worries you the most. San Diego State does a little bit because of how they lost. They 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 struggle to score against against very physical teams. And I think that can bode uh, bad for them in the tournament. You, and it, it, we all know how, how it goes in college basketball nowadays. You got to be able to score the basketball in the tournament during tournament time. And I think San Diego will have some trouble scoring. Um, and it, it, it concerns me. And Baylor as well. Baylor is one of those teams where, you know, even though they were number one for a long time, I always felt like they were number one because of how elite and how stout defensively they were. But it was, but they, but just like San Diego State, they struggle to uh, score consistently as well. They'll go through some uh, long scoring, right. long scoring droughts. 
and you know let let teams creep back into the ball game as well. So just the, those those are my top two teams that I feel like you know could possibly have, have some trouble down the stretch because they they just struggle to score. Right, right. For me, it's Mark Hughes' team. A huge Mark Hughes fan from Gonzaga. Uh, the, this year is got to be the year that they not only get to the title game, they're all the narrative. They never got to a Final Four, and now they achieve that. They're baby steps. They got to a title game a couple years back, and I, I think this year they've got a complete team. They got shooting, defense, and stuff, but the same thing, physicality as well, that worries me in a postseason time. Last year, we saw that uh, a Florida State physically manhandled them last year, so come playoff time and, and in the tournament, excuse me, that's one team that worries me there. For sure. Any yeah. team that we're not talking about, Mike, that is, has been in your radar for a while, that's probably creeping in, but, you know, that's not getting the national recognition. If I had to go with somebody, I'm going to go with Dayton. Right. I know they're getting they're, get, they're getting somewhat national recognition because they're in the top 10, but they're not. we're not really talking about them as much as we because they're not the sexy pick to be, you know, in that conversation, but I'm going to have to go with Dayton. Being being as though I covered, you know, the eight, that A-10, the Atlanta 10 Conference, watching Dayton this year, the, the, the one thing, one difference between last year's Dayton team and this year's Dayton team is how is how well, they, how, how well they're playing defensively. I mean, they've really stifled teams on a defensive level. Obi Toppin uh, is their best offensive player uh, uh, scoring-wise, but defensively, he might be their best defensive player as well because he, he can just – he can really lock 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 players up, and I, I I've been very impressed with how how they've how they've looked all over the years. They were on that long winning streak, uh, twenty four and two at one point. This is one of those teams where give 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 them an opportunity against a, a, a another team, and I'm telling you, Dayton Dayton is going to surprise a lot of folks, not only in the A ten tournament but also in the March Madness tournament because they they they, they know how to defend and they have a, a closer on their team at Obi Toppin. And other other players who can knock down perimeter shots when he's not when he's getting suffocated in the paint. Yeah, definitely there for sure. Obi Toppin, a lock for a lottery pick. I mean, I think I had him in my oh, top yeah. five. Um, so a team in this draft. I mean, the guy can do it all offensively and defensively. Yeah. Come to his own there as well. For me, I'm gonna go with Kentucky Blue. I've been very mm. critical of this team, Calipari. I've been very critical of him. I know he's an exceptional coach. Congrats to him. A couple years back, going into the Naismith Hall of Fame. Uh, which is well-deserving. Uh, but this is not the typical uh, uh, Kentucky team, not the Stars. I mean, you've got uh, some of the Cats there for sure. Um, uh, but uh, la- as of late, this Kentucky team is starting to come to its own and rounding into form. And they say you have to round into form late February entering March. So that's a team that's I'm keeping my eye out in the SEC That's definitely has – done light years to turn the page against what they did against that embarrassment of Stephen F. Austin earlier on this year. They've done really well in conference play. So that's a team that I keep my eye on. And also Auburn. You know about you know Auburn as well as I do, Mike. Auburn, yeah. probably the be- one of the best teams in the country and knocking the three-point line. And you told me last year, Mike, and I'm a bright guy, you said if Auburn is making threes, it is scary. Yeah, it <laughs> sure is. Auburn, Auburn is one of those. Auburn has one of my favorite coaches. And all, I love Bruce Pearl, Mike. Oh, Bruce Pearl is so special, man. He's one of my favorite coaches in all of college sports. He's he's one of those guys that you could just run through a brick wall for, like you said. They'll be in the conversation just because of the, uh, just how they play, how they knock down shots. They're going to always be in the mix, and depending on how consistently they knock down shots, will determine how far they go. And I'm glad you brought up Kentucky because in, in this in this um system that 
John Calipari has of, you know, one and dones and freshmen and stuff like that. Usually with the younger guys, it takes them a while to, to gel and really mesh and really understand the, the college atmosphere and understand, and really get accustomed to playing college basketball on a, on a consistent basis. And normally towards the late latter part of the season is when everybody starts to come together and really starts to hone in and lock in and, and, and buy into the system and everything starts to come together for them. So I, I'm not surprised that they've been coming on as of late. And I, I, I fully expect this team to, to – to, to compete at a high level. And I, I expect Calipari to have his guys ready. Yeah, definitely. They're for sure. They're looking for a stretch to get in and, and potentially be uh, two and maybe creep up in that one line. Yeah. If some havoc happens in the top through five, before we shift gears here, Mike, the journeyman that you are, tell the viewers and the listeners where you'll be this week for some of the biggest conference play. Ah, big big weekend, big weekend this week. Uh, Saturday I'll be in Richmond covering the George Washington versus VCU Rams basketball game, and then uh, on Saturday, and then on Sunday I'll be back here in the DC area covering the Xavier versus Georgetown game. Two big games for both teams. VCU and Georgetown have been uh, uh, have been losing their last couple games as of late. They're they're definitely on on the cusp of uh, trying to get into the tournament. So every game from here on out is huge. So I'm excited to see what VCU and Georgetown both do. Uh, on their respective home course this weekend. Yeah, VCU and Xavier, that's a huge one. I, I, I saw Xavier. No, no, uh, Xavier Georgetown. Uh, Xavier Georgetown, excuse yeah, me. Yeah. Xavier Georgetown is huge. I saw Xavier uh, go on the road and beat Seton Hall at their building. I mean, that's a huge game. If they oh, can yeah. off that, that'd be huge for them as well. Heard it there from the journeyman, Michael Gray, my DMV ride partner, there as well but do not go anywhere because when we come back we shift gears and start to look at the second half of the nba season and also talk about what we saw develop in the all-star game with all of those changes live inside the studios of wnsc segment Mike before we talk about things that we've seen in the past weeks or so we got to get back to the events that revealed themselves in the United Center in Chicago at the All-Star game that Sunday night uh, that might have been the single best basketball game I've seen this entire season you're getting the best of the best from each conference go at it together in the fourth quarter for all the marbles all of the bread, all of the money on the line for their respective charities. You got 300 bands on the line, literally. You got the best of the best going at it again. And the the changes to uh, the, the, the changes that they did, tweaking, um, putting in the shot clocks and, and putting in the first one to 24. Mike, I, I don't know if you noticed this. They basically took the rules that they use in the big three, right? If for in the big three, it'd be the first one in nine wins. They took that idea and they just said, we're going to go to the first one of 24. I don't think a lot of people noticed that, but that's exactly what they did. But I thought that was a fantastic job by Adam Silver and the uh, uh, hierarchies of the NBA. And if this is a continuum of what to expect in next couple seasons in Yard Star, I'm all for it. Yeah, no, for sure, especially since the fact that, you know, they're already calling the uh, the award, the All-Star Game Award, the Kobe Bryant Award. So it was only right to make this 
the, the what they did in the fourth quarter, being as though the highest the highest point total person, uh, the first to twenty four wins. I, I think that that need, you're right. That needs to be the the mantra from now on. And um, you're right. I was I was very impressed with the game. I loved watching it. I loved the fact that you know, obviously the players don't really go as hard the first couple quarters, but in that in that third and fourth quarter, I mean they they turned up on another level. It was the best one of the best pickup games you'll ever see with some of the best players in the world. So. Uh, defensively, everybody turned up. It was a it was a great battle between star stars on star power. The crowd got into it. Uh, you know, it, so you're right. It was very impressive. It was one. It was one of the. It was one of the best All Star games we've we've had in a while. Yeah, one of the best All Star games there forever. We were treated by Chicago there for sure. I, I thought the stars came out. Obviously, seems like there was more celebrities than 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 athletes there for sure. You had Common, Jennifer Huston, a breathtaking uh, performance that they she had uh, debuting before the game. And um, it, it, it was something really to behold. But the, we pushed that aside. We start the second half of the season um, here. A lot of teams really starting to shake themselves, much like the college basketball uh, season. We start to see the contenders and the pretenders now here as well. And that actually leads us to this week's power rankings. Obviously, nothing has changed, Mike. The <laughs> Milwaukee Bucks, it's only February 24th. And the Milwaukee Bucks, are one win shy of 50 wins, and they've clinched a playoffs berth. Hasn't been done in a while. So you can tell what type of pace that they're on. This team is really on a mission uh, uh, there as well. We'll talk about them later. Um, something that really stood out to me yesterday, Mike, about the middle. Giannis goes, fouls out. Middleton uh. is their second best player, comes in. I know that's nightmares to you. Uh, <laughs> oh, he comes in and draws 40 uh, um, as well. And that was huge to me. It showed me different ways that this ball club can win. The Lakers been steady as well, forty-four and twelve. They're at two. Uh, Toronto leaps up at three. Um, there's no problem there. They've what they've done is 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 spectacular. Absolutely putting their foot on the throats of the Phoenix Suns. Um, this team, they they're gonna be a team to reckon with, uh, uh, along with the Bucks come postseason time in the East. Boston falls into four. We'll talk about my boys uh, later on, Mike. And also, the team that made the biggest jump this week is the Houston Rockets. They go from number 10 to number 5. They've moved up to second in pace now, second in offensive rating, James Harden and Russell Westbrook. They said it only was a matter of time for them to put it together. They are putting it together at the right time. Yeah, absolutely right. Sebi, repeat your, your, uh, the number 2 and 3 for me, please. Yeah, it was the Lakers at two and the Raps at three. Got you. Yeah, uh, I have no problem with the Bucks, obviously, for for obvious reasons. Uh, you're right. You're right, Sebi. As a Wizards fan, yesterday watching that game, it was it was it was it was stressful because Giannis goes out with the six fouls, and I'm like, okay, Bradley Bill is putting on the show. We got to win this game. I, I thought you guys had it, Mike. I did. And then Chris Middleton just takes over in overtime and and, and puts on the show. I, I mean, you know, I I can't be too surprised because. The first matchup against Milwaukee, he put up 51 when Giannis didn't play. So it, it, this this 40 point performance, it, 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 he's starting to play like it, having 91 points in the last two get two meetings against them. I mean, yeah, Milwaukee, you're absolutely right. Milwaukee just showing you that they have different wins away, win different ways of winning outside of Giannis. And uh, the Lakers are continue to win. You know, um, still one of the top teams in the West. Uh, had had a big time win on on Sunday against the Celtics. I'm not mad at that at all. Uh, the Toronto Raptors like I have been very consistent and have been beating, beating some top teams and, and uh, just continue, continue to develop and show how well coached they are under that Nick Nurse system. And um, 
the Houston Rockets are something I want to talk about because I've been very impressed with how they played offensively, but defensively, they've really stepped up both on both sides. James Harden over the last uh, month and a half or so, I've actually noticed that he's actually been playing a little bit better defense than, than we've seen to start off the season. Uh, you know, along with you know taking a taking a step back a little bit, Russell Westbrook has been putting on the show. He's been he's been really been the catalyst for how they've been playing over the last few weeks. So I'm not I'm not mad at, at that jump at all because they've been winning and they've they've had some big wins along with you know uh, beating Utah on the road a, a big win right there. They 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 they've, they've been very impressive what I've seen so far and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to see how how they how they uh, continue the rest of the season. I mean I I got to feel for Bradley Bill. I mean this guy back to back fifty. 50 uh, uh, uh 50 plus outings yep. only the late Kobe Bryant has done that um and and for you to have take two crucial losses like that must be heartbreaking for him i i really want to see how they look if he hit him playing like this along with John Wall the all-star guard that they have as well but let's focus on the rockets here uh, mike we have a guest um coming in in a couple weeks andrea greg she is one of the uh uh uh, journalists down there in the Houston area that's going to join us on our as one of our panelists as a guest in a couple of weeks and follows and does a lot of works with the Houston Rockets organization. So I'm um, excited for that opportunity when she comes. But I want to focus on this because when they made that move for Capella to go east to the Atlanta Hawks, I was like, what are you doing? I mean, but Daryl Marley, we know how an aggressive GME is, probably one of the best himself and Mark Cuban. They think outside the box, Mike, and, and, and they are very unconventional. They said that if we can have longer guys and we can space the floor for guys like James Harden and Russell Westbrook to operate better, yeah. that's our best chance of winning. And that's the small ball effect. And, and to me, I, I thought that that's not going to work. I mean, I know today's game, it's changed. The three-point shot is a premium. Spacing is a premium. Bigs are not really extinct, but they're devalued. But you still need a big come playoff time for the likes of Gobert, for Jokic. And, and I mean, uh, Capella is uh, 15 and 12, 15 and 15 guys. So for him to, them to make a move like that was kind of head-scratching. But as of late, you, you bring in Jeff Green, Covington, veterans like that. That can not only stretch the floor, but also 3 and D guys, Mike. Right. That can help them defensively. So that's what I've noticed with the Rockets. Yeah, yeah they, and, and that's what I love about them. And that's why I feel like they're going to go far in the playoffs this year because they're going to surprise some teams that aren't ready for what they, what they have to bring to them. This, this Rockets team right now is fast. And they, they're going to be even faster in the playoffs uh, 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 when Russell Westbrook and James Harden are going downhill. Like you said, they, they did this move for the offensive purposes. Obviously, obviously they know they're in the paint against Gobert or some of those other teams that they run into them. They'll they'll take a, sm- a slight hit, but not to, not as much of a hit as you think because what they're telling you is that you're going to have to score 115, 120 points in order to beat us on a night on a nightly basis uh, for the rest of the year. And not only that, they have players they they have small players like PJ Tucker. He's one of those guys. Yeah, he's not a big per se, but he's one of those guys. He he knows how to fight for position down in the post. He knows how to you know create ways to 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 possibly steal a rebound here or there or th- things of that nature. He's one of those guys that he, yeah, he's he's not a big per se, but he plays big inside the post. So they they they'll be missing that size, but they won't be missing that physicality. And the Houston, the Houston Rockets, uh, offensively, they'll make up for all the defensive mistakes, in my opinion, when the, in the playoffs come. That 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 that'll that'll be uh 
that that'll be held held to their disposal. Yeah, just a week, couple of weeks ago, they fell oh, as low as six. Now they're creeping up to that four line. Don't be surprised if they get in that top three in the Western Conference the way that they've been playing hot there for sure. Uh, 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 of course, I want to talk about my team at four in the power rankings. My, oh, my subjects. Uh, I mentioned last week, I said a guy out here in the Orlando area was from the Magic. His scout said and Jason Tatum could be the best player on our team. That gives us the best chance to be serious contenders. And I'm starting to believe that. I'm starting to believe that if he could be A1 and maybe Kimball Walker could be an A2, a little Batman and Robin continuity there, I think that gives us a chance to do that. I still believe Boston is the best perimeter shooting team in the Eastern Conference. They've got the best roster guys as in terms of knockdown shooters, mid-range and three-point ball. And I think that bodes well for them because you need to make shots come playoff time there as well so the way that jason tatum to me mike um uh, if you were next to me you would have seen a smile come out of my, <laughs> my mouth i i started smiling and said okay i'm finally he's finally figured it out because a, the guy like that to me mike he, he 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 finally understands his third season that i'm legit six eight maybe six nine that they list me i have a mismatch against anybody I have a mismatch against anybody. That's bigs, that's wings, and that's everything. I thought last year, obviously, Kobe being a huge mentor for him growing up and helping him with the Mamba Academy, uh, RIP to Kobe. I thought that, you know, Jason wanted to be Kobe. And, and there aren't Kobe. The tough shots he was making, the shot selections, the poor sock selections, the, the fading away. Now he's understanding, okay, I get a switch. I don't have to take those touch. I can go downhill. And, and all those tough shots he was taking last year, Mike, are now being downhill drives. And it's either a dunk or a layup. And, and that's what he's figured out. And then when he does get switches, uh, he knows how to utilize that. And then that's when the evolution of his game is starting the three-point line. I, I thought I, I, what, what really resonated with me, Mike, is the last two games that he's gone off, uh-huh. you know, the break between the Clippers and the Lakers here. That might have been the two best defensive teams he's played all year. You know, a, a guy like Kawhi Leonard ha- didn't have an answer. Obviously, Paul George wasn't there, but they made switches. Morris didn't have an answer. Right. You know, guys like Shamit didn't have an answer because he's too small. You see Tatum taking him to the post and, and, and using that size mismatch in that frame to shoot over him. And then against the Lakers, you know, Anthony Davis is in the discussion to be defensive player of the year. Uh-huh. When guarded by Anthony Davis in the perimeter, he went four for six for 14 points. And then they put Kuzma on him, and it was a bucket. So that evolution to me bodes well for the Celtics, and I, I'm liking what I'm seeing with now now uh, post-All-Star Jason Tatum looking to ascend to being a superstar. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I think he's one year away from being a superstar at this point because I, the, the, the level that he's – grown into this year coming off the season he had last year. He's in the most improved player conversation for me uh, based off how he played last year and the, the jump that he's made this year. This is a special basketball player. This is all world. And I think he is the best player on this uh, Celtics team because I think he affects the game in more ways than Kimball Walker does. Defensively, he's a better player. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah, and, and, but and offensively, it's almost it's, it's, it's almost neck and neck at this point with, with how elite Jason Tatum is making it look on the offensive side. I, I, this is this is a special ball player, and sometimes with special ball players like this, it takes them a couple of years to really realize how elite they can be. And I think Jason Tatum, like you said, has gotten to that point where he realizes how elite he can be, and and, and he's not worried about the fact that oh, I'm in my third season. I, no, let, let, let's turn let's turn the gas up a little bit. You know, you're training with Kobe. You you got, you got the chance to play with guys like Kyrie. 
you know, playing with Kemba, playing playing with certain certain players, like tra- training with certain players, like you're you're at a, a different level of your career than most third year players are. You need to start playing like it and start uh, having that mentality of I, 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 that my, that killer mentality every single game, and that's what I'm starting to see from him. And by playoff time, I think we will be deeming Jason Tatum as a superstar in this league. And um, yeah, yeah, you're right. This Boston team has the most players on in the NBA, in my opinion, that can create their own shots. And uh, and they've they've looked very well. They played very well over the last uh, week or so. And Jason Tatum has been the has been the leading catalyst for that. And uh, I'm look, I'm really looking forward to seeing what this guy does the rest of the season and on, on into the playoffs. Music to my ears. You can tune that up there for sure for my ball club and my roster there for sure uh, as well. Um, a couple of teams that stand out to me the second half of the season, I got my, my eyes on a couple of teams, the Sixers. You know how elite they are at home. And the Wells Fargo Center, we've seen them beat. They, Mike, they are undefeated against the top three teams in both conferences at home. Yep. They are elite at home. And Joel Embiid made a bold statement saying that he's the best player in the world, but you need to start playing like it. Doing it against Atlanta is not it. You need to start doing it against big teams. And now with Ben Simmons out for a while, they say no, more than two weeks yep. now, my eyes is on Philadelphia. I want to see that 9-20 and 20 record they have on the road if they can change that because right now they're the fifth seed. It looks like they're going to have to go on the road for their road to get to the NBA Finals, and you got to be able to win in the road. As a fifth seed, you got to be able to win on the road if you, you want to have a chance to make it. So their team, I'm looking my eyes on Miami to me uh, as well. They've been really good. Jim Butler's been hurt. Um, Jay Crowder and Iguodala haven't figured it out yet. Bam Adebayo, well, <laughs> he's been playing out of his world, Mike. But yeah. um, to me, Miami has been struggling defensively, uh, offensively to score points in the hoop. And that's a problem to me. I thought they would address that. Um, maybe go for a guy like a Drew Holiday or somebody like that, although they had to give up a lot. Um, but to me, I think they need a score outside of Jimmy Butler come postseason time to put the ball in the hoop outside of you relying on Ben Adebayo, Tyler Hero, none. These guys are rookies in come postseason time. I, 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 that's my only concern with them. So that's two teams I'm keeping my eye on. Yeah, definitely. I, I, like, I like what you said about Philadelphia because – it's crazy how they're the fifth seed with that road record because if their road record was even a halfway, halfway five hundred, they might be a top three seed in the Eastern Conference. Um, you're right. This is a big time right now for Joel Embiid because with Ben Simmons out, you know when when Ben Simmons is in the game and Embiid is out, this is a fast Philly team. When when Embiid is in the lineup and Simmons is out, they they go, they go more slow, more more uh, slow pace, more half court sets, more half court sets, yeah. getting him to pain and playing through Embiid. And, Inside and then you know setting it up from there, and I think that um Philly Philly has to understand uh figure out which style which style they want to cater to more, you know and, and figure out how they can bring them together once once Ben Simmons come back together and what's the best formula for them because this is a talented uh, basketball team that can defend at a very high level they can they can shut down some of the top offensive teams in the league because of the, how their size inside and their size on the perimeter of being able to just shut, just lock you down. So, uh, yeah, this is a Philly team, especially without Simmons, that I'll be paying heavily attention to to see how this half-court set, slow-paced basketball basketball team will, um, will, will, will try to get some, get some wins, especially on the road. And I'm glad, you, I'm glad what you said about Miami. Miami took a tough loss uh, yesterday against Cleveland. You know, they had a 19-point lead going into the fourth, 
Kevin Porter Jr. put on the show. And uh, you're right, defensively, defensively they haven't figured it out. Offensively, they haven't figured it out, and it's it's it's, it's began to uh, hurt them defensively on that side of the ball. So it's, it's one it's one of those things where they, they they might just be going through a tough time, like you said, Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler uh, has been out for a little bit. Uh, going through it throughout an 82 game season, you're gonna have those stretches like that. So I think Miami Miami is still a, a middle of the pack uh, sort of team, but um, they're definitely a team that can creep up. And, and and shock some 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 of the top teams if they run into the right situation. Yep, there for sure as well. On the opposite side in the West, my eyes are in that last playoff spot. You've got um, Memphis there, Jaron Jackson. They took a huge hit. He's going to yeah. be out for two weeks. So the opportunity is knocking on the door for the chosen one, Zion Williamson. Can he lead this Pels, this young Pels team, under? Alvin Gentry with B.I., with also Drew Holiday. Can they get that last playoff spot and take advantage of Jaron Jackson being out for me? They got a huge test tonight in L.A. against the Lakers. Excited to see the King versus the Chosen one tonight. That's going to be a huge test match. But um, I've got my eyes on the Pelicans. Zion Williamson, Mike, I, I don't, I can't find superlatives. Is he the man-child? Is, is he like a, a grown man amongst men? I mean, he's playing bully ball out there. And so... um. What I've loved is obviously you see that in just a motor, but you also see the skill set, the, the nasty jab step and the three-point pull-up uh, that he had against uh, the young gentleman that plays for the Denver Nuggets. So um, Zion right now is must-watch TV, and I think this Pelicans team has got my eyes to make a potential run at that last playoff spot in the Western Conference. Yeah, no doubt. Then the New Orleans Pelicans, I'm not going to lie to you, Sebi. I was wrong. I was flat-out wrong about Zion Williamson so far. Because from what I've seen from him, this is a brother that, you know, I, I didn't know that he would look this good this early. I thought it was going to be take some time for him to, you know, get his legs under him and really get accustomed to the NBA game, playing playing against these these type of players. But he's come out the gates firing. And not only that, he has his team winning. They were a, a solid team before he got there. But now that he's there and he's he's playing at a, at a high level, this is a this is a a, a team that's going to be fighting for the playoff that last playoff spot along with Memphis and, and others. But um, I, I love what I'm seeing from Zion. I love what I'm seeing from New Orleans because New Orleans, they, they really share the ball. And when they share the ball well, this team is very hard to beat. They, they've shown it, you know, in some, some of their recent games against Portland, against Golden State. It was games where they, they just moved that basketball around and they defend at a pretty high level. Now with Zion, Zion defensively, his impact outside of just scoring is... It's unbelievable. It's remarkable, Mike. I mean, he's diving for loose balls. He's a... Uh, He's 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 winning. He's winning possessions. He's 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 doing he's doing all the little things that you that you need to win basketball games. And 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 that that's what's impressing me the most with Zion Williamson, uh, along with what he's the skill set that he's showing offensively. Yeah, and, and it's it's some somebody said something that really stood out to me. They say he's Charles Barkley's body. Obviously, a Hall of Famer. If you can end up anything like Charles Barkley, you're a lock for the Hall of Fame. That that's the great career. But he's Charles Barkley, but also. He's Sean Kemp when he leaps, mm. meaning that he can also rim protect as well at that size. Not not a really tall guy as in terms of stature, but he can. He's a Charles Barkley guy in frame that can leap and rim protect and cover so much ground because of his, I mean, just out of this world athleticism. I mean, the league has never seen anything like that. And right now, Mike he, Zion show. The Smoothie King Center is the place to be right now. Yeah, it sure is, man. And I, I know all those New Orleans fans that were wondering, oh, what's going on uh, w during the first part of the season when he was sitting out 
wondering whether or not this was worth the pick. I'm sure they're I'm sure they're smiling right now, and everybody's you know just happy to happy that he's playing now because I, I'm not gonna lie to you, Seth. I don't even think half of New Orleans fans knew that he would look this good this early. Right, right now. Uh, so um, here's here's something to put in perspective. First twelve games of Zion Williamson's career, only the great Michael Jordan. Um, has had more points than him. So put that into perspective. Anytime you're in the same breath or sentence to Michael Jordan, you know, you're probably doing something right uh, there for sure as well. Um, and before we close this chapter here tonight, Mike, I, I, this has been a topic here about the race for the rookie of the year. Obviously, we know Jot, what he's done 17 and 7 uh, and, and leading in the top five in the NBA in steals. So he's doing it on both ends of the floor. just a, a different way than Zion Williamson, but Zion himself is as well right now is hovering over 22 and nine as a rookie. And so right now I know Jai's got a more of a major sample size and, 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 and Zion himself has only played 12 games, but to you, where is, where are you at in this race? I think right now, I think right now uh, I, I'm not getting caught up in the premature uh, uh, Zion rookie of the year hype because you know, we can't just dismiss what we've seen from John Moran to start this season. Memphis was projected to be a lottery team this year, and right now he has them competing for a playoff spot in the Western Conference. John Moran has been absolutely sensational, and uh, I think I think if I think it's his to lose. I think as long as he stays healthy, as long as he continues to play at this high level, and he gets this team into the playoffs, I think no matter what Zion Williamson does, this brother, this brother's a lock because. Now, 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 if he falls off and Zion continues to ball out and continues to do what he's doing, then we have a different conversation. But I think it's too premature to even put Zion Williamson right. Well, he's in the conversation, but I think it's too pre, it's too premature to to have him usurp what we've seen from from John Morant because John Morant has been has done it all season long. He's been playing this consistently all year long, and Zion, like you said, he's only played for twelve games, so he has a larger sample size. And I think it's John Morant's to lose. All John Moran has to do is continue to play at a high level and get this team into the playoffs, and I think I think he I, I think he he'll win it. Right, I mean, but Mike, it, it isn't that easy, and I'll tell you why. I I it's it's kind of like this. If it, it's really different, and take a look at it in this perspective. Well, Lamar I, Zion Williamson is pretty much Lamar Jackson right now in the NFL. He's the innovation. This is revolutionary. We haven't seen a guy that can do the stuff that. Lamar can do in the NFL stage. We haven't seen a guy like Zion Williamson this highly anticipated than maybe, I don't know, maybe LeBron James in 2003 with the hype, with the skill set, with box office that, you know, you got to just pay front row and floor seats to see this guy. And I, I mean, I know he hasn't played a lot, but his next 27 or, or, or how many games that we have left in the NBA, if he can continue this trajectory that he's been we might be having a grant hill and jason kidd co uh a rookie of the year conversation because I, I i wouldn't know who to pick yeah a co a co rookie of the year wouldn't be that bad in my opinion but uh i'll just look at it from this perspective last year um you know i know it's a little bit different because he as i didn't play at all but last year uh when it came to rookie of the year luka Doncic and trey young were having a battle you know uh, luka Doncic was the outright uh, uh, rookie of the year to start the season off for most of the year up until All-Star break. And then Trey Young put on a show in the second half. We still gave it to Luka because Luka, we can't dis- discredit what we saw from Luka in the first The body half. of work. Right. And the body of work. And I think if you look at the body of work 
you know, I, I know you, I know you can't knock Zion because it's an injury, but at the same time, I can't dis, just just discredit and say, oh, Zion is outright rookie of the year based off what I've seen from John Morant this year. John Morant has put on an absolute show. He's been the uh, the best rookie point guard this year so far, one of the best overall point guards in the league so far this year, and uh, I, I just think it's his to lose right now. And you're right, Zion. Zion, in my opinion, can possibly transcend and make it a co, but I don't think he's outright gonna just take it from John Morant unless John, unless he takes it from him or John gives it to him. A lot of things to keep an eye on until mid-April when the NBA regular season ends and we kick off the playoffs here for sure. A lot of things to watch, Mike. That that that's gonna that's probably gonna be one of the closest races that we haven't seen in recent memory there for sure but when we come back mike we kick off to our main creme of the creme we'll talk about the events where the nation and the world's eye was in mgn grand saturday night in las vegas a huge upset it wasn't buster douglas over mike tyson but it might be something close to that we'll talk about the fury and wilder fight next Hi, I'm Alwyn Morgan Jr. with Precise Tax and Accounting Services in Central Florida. And I would love to give a special thanks to the SEBI Podcast crew and all that they do to keep me update with everything sports during this busy tax season. Do you find yourself overwhelmed by the changes in our new tax law? Or would you just love to have the peace of mind that comes with dealing with a well-informed professional? If this sounds like you, please reach out to us for any of your tax, accounting, or small business needs and be sure to let us know that Sebi Podcast sent you. Thank you. A knockdown in the third round, a knockdown in the fifth round, but it took only seven rounds for, I would say, the underdog, Tyson Fury, to regain the heavyweight champion of the world over previous undefeated Dante Wilder. Uh, Mike, I, I, I was thoroughly shocked by what I saw. I, I wasn't as shocked because, you know, if it was ever somebody that could be able to knock off uh, Wilder and, and really humble him, it's Tyson Fury because Tyson Fury is a technical boxer. He's a critical boxer. He's one of those guys that, you know, you have to pound for pound, you have to be able to, to hang with him for a long stretch of time because he's, he's not – He's him and Wilder are two different. He's not like Wilder. Wilder's looking out, looking for the knockout punch. Uh, uh, Fury, Fury is one of those guys that's gonna uh, uh, try, try to go go back and forth with you. And if the knockout punch comes, it comes. But he's gonna set you up for it first. And um, I, I, I looked at this situation as you know, you know, when, when you when you're riding on such a high horse, when you when you have all the momentum, when you have you know this confidence about you that that can that can come off as cocky the most. Sometimes you, you sometimes you, you you need to fall on your face, fall flat on your face in order to, to regain your uh your uh regain but regain your your being humble. Just get getting begin back to being humble and understanding about, you know, the moment and what's going on because you know, Wilder was to a point where he felt like nobody could touch him. Like he was untouchable and sometimes you sometimes you have to be knocked 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 down in order to, 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 to get back up and really show what you're made of as a champion. And I think this is one of those situations for Wilder that He'll he'll take advantage of what I saw with the first punch, you know the, the that first punch that 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 blasted his eardrum. I think from then on, from that point on, it it was it it was it was even tougher for him. And then we hear these stories about, um, 
you know, the, the suit and all that. I'm not getting, I'm not, I'm not putting no much, no stock into that. That's an excuse in my opinion. But as far as the fight concerned, I think when, when I, I think people need to understand how hard it is to fight with the with the messed up eardrum. That 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 alone right there was bad. Tyson Fury just came in with a better game plan, and he and he he, he dominated the fight from a technical perspective. Um, you know, whether or not Deontay Wilder would have came back in the later rounds and, and made anything happen. We don't know because later on in the fight, the last couple rounds or so, you started to see him, you know, connect a little bit more punches and, and being able to make uh, just get, get a little bit more hits on Fury than he did the first five rounds. But it was so bad for him uh, the, <laughs> those first few rounds that his corner was like, nah, it's, it's bad. But uh, Tyson, if it was ever somebody to knock off the beast, knock off the bronze bomber, it was Tyson Fury. He came in with a better game plan. He was uh, he, he, he was in he was in, in, in much better technical shape. And uh, and the the better the better man won that round won that fight. Yeah, and this is what stands out to me. I this is a I'm a huge advocate for analogies, and this is one that always stands out to me. And I repeat this a lot. Mike Mike Tyson, the great Mike Tyson, always always said that everybody got a game plan. Everybody got a game plan until you get hit. Yep. And, and then when you get hit and you get knocked down, every game plan that you had is thrown out the way. That's exactly what happened in this fight right here. Um. Tyson Fury, he made a bold statement. He said that, you know, I want to win this round and I want to knock him out. And he said, why you want to knock him out? I said, I'm going to knock him out because I do not want to have any decision led on the judge's hand. Because one can say that last fight that they had, the first fight you know, that went the distance, uh, controversial, the judges might have ruled the wrong guy's champion. And uh -huh. so I, I thought Tyson Fury took that as fuel. He ganged up with his staff, and I think he had an amazing staff as in terms of his repetition and, and, and as in terms of his preparation for leading up to this fight. And, and you saw the difference in styles. You saw one guy that just had electric stuff. I mean, you think about some of the hard-hitting boxers that, that ever lived. Sugar Ray Leonard, uh, uh, Tyson, of course, um, the, the great uh, 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 Fraser. And, 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 and obviously, you think of Don, uh, um, Dante Wilder as well with the electric stuff that when they just knock you in just raw, pure um, physical uh, athleticism with the punches, it's just, you know, head blows. And so with a guy like Tyson, I mean, excuse me, Tyson Fury, excuse me, a guy that is, is technically savvy, you know, as a veteran that's been here for quite a oh, while, yeah. reasons why I thought Wilder would win is I saw Tyson Fury walk out, and I thought that the guy wasn't in shape. You know, you could see in his legs, he was a little gingery and, and bulkier in the stomach. I'm saying, oh, this guy has no chance. But I was wrong. I, he came in there. He said exactly what he would do. And he said that he would wear Wilder down technically and then in the later rounds get his opportunities and make them a chances to knock him out. And that's exactly what he did. And, and, you, and I think you're right, Mike. You know, this probably was a wake-up call for, for, for Wilder. I think now he's going to – he knows that, okay, I've got all the physical tools that I can knock somebody out, but there's more to much more. You know, Much more than that. I got to be able to uh, uh, land combos. I got to be able to uh, duck hits and, and, and things like that. And I got to actually be able to out of box and not just wait for my chances and just drill, drill somebody like Popeye. And so it, it's going to be a wake-up call. I'm hearing noises. They might have a rubber match, maybe a third match, but – I think in the first two matches, we've clearly seen who the better boxer is. Oh, yeah, for sure. We, we definitely have. And like you said, this is a huge wake-up call. You have to get knocked down. You have to go through adversity in order to really grow as a champion. 
That's just how life works. You never grow always being the one on top. You have to go through some adversity. You have to get knocked on your back in order to really grow and uh, really grow and show the heart of a champion. And that's that's what Deontay Wilder is going through right now. And that's what he'll do. That, that that's what he'll continue to he'll come back. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure they'll have the rematch, and, he, and I'm sure he'll make amends if not win, but he'll show have much a show a much better fight than what we saw on Saturday night. But um, you're absolutely right. The better the the better fighter, the first two the first two uh, matchups uh, throughout his totality has been Tyson Fury. And uh, and uh, and, and <laughs> he's standing. He's standing today as a champion. Yes, and, and and now we look at his side of the equation. Uh, you talk about Fury, obviously way past his prime, probably in his forties now. But um, when you talk about legacies, um, Tyson Fury is about a lot of matches that has been very critical that the judges have kind of given them the wrong end of the bargain. But where does he stand as one of the the best modern day boxers? At this point. He's one of the top heavyweight boxers we have in this era. I mean, when you look at the competition that he's gone up against, some of the wins, this was the win that really put him over, this, over the hump for me because, you know, this was somebody in Wilder who's been knocked out by, by countless, by countless, uh, who has knocked out countless, countless other boxers. And for you to not only, not only uh, win by TKO, but also dominate, in retrospect, both the matchups that you win against this guy who seemed almost unbeatable against everybody else. That alone right there, in order to be the best, you have to beat the best, uh, according to terms. And, and that's what Tyson Fury has done. And uh, I think when you look at the totality of his resume, he has to go down as one of the greatest, one of the best boxers in this in this era. One of the best boxers there for sure. And, and a very, very expensive pay-per-view, Mike. I will tell you. Uh, a match, but I, I would say it, it wasn't wrong. That I was mad. Uh, it was it lived up to the billing there for sure. It, take a listen to this. The first time they fought in LA in Staples Center, four hundred mil, uh, four million, excuse me, and uh, and as in terms of viewership, this fight had everything and then some. Seventeen million, <laughs> as in terms of viewership, tuned in. So you knew the revenue would be there, and I think if it would be a rubber match, that would be a huge thing for uh, 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 boxing. And, and and I'm starting to see boxing as a as a sport. It's starting to get back. You yeah. know, it's not going to be what it was maybe in the early 80s and 90s. But, you know, for all the extinct that it's gone, I think it's starting to resurrect itself. Yeah, it definitely is. And uh, I think I think the, the more we have these rubber matchups, the more we create these these rivalries in boxing that we that, that we that we tend to love. I think that that'll only add to the revenue and add to the brand of of boxing as well, because like you said, it's 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 on a nice high right now. Right, right, and and we love we love character people. We love narrative. Yeah. We love the fact that like we have guys now that are chirpy, that that like to talk, that like to talk pregame to lead up to the things. Adrian Browner, Dante Wilder, you know, high uh, character guys that just like to talk, and and, and we want to know. Are they going to back it up? But we also love a good David and Goliath matchup where the underdog, the unexpected guy wins. So I, I like that type of perspective in, in where boxing is. And and hopefully it, it returns back to its glory days back in the 80s and 90s there for sure. Any last remarks here until we wrap up tonight? Yeah, man, definitely, Dom. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to these games that I got to cover this weekend with VC. It's going to be big games. But I'm very – I'm not going to lie to you, Sebi. I've been thinking about it all day. I'm very intrigued to see this Zion Williamson 
versus LeBron James and like this Pelicans versus Lakers matchup, just because it's the first time we'll ever see them go against each other, and um, it, it'll be it'll I feel like it'll be something to remember. Right, right, right there for you. I'll also be tuned into that tonight. I think that'll be a good one. But also, Mike, a very underrated matchup tonight, and, and this could be a conference finals preview. You got Milwaukee on no day's rest going to Toronto north of the border tonight. That could be a potential Eastern Conference preview. You know, that I don't want to hear that. But nevertheless, <laughs> I'd be intrigued to see the outcome to that. I, obviously, uh, Toronto is, is playing out of its world right now with yeah. supreme confidence. And obviously, they're well coached with Nick Nurse. They think that they have the formula and also the personnel to throw bodies at a, at a Giannis, much like they did last year, uh, um, get, uh, meeting Ibaka and Gasol at the rim. And so I want to see if the, the evolution of Giannis's game, what has changed this year to perhaps offset what the uh, uh, Nick Nurse and his team is going to do. So I'm, I'm excited to see that tonight, too. Great, great, great point. And also, also, <laughs> your C's, your Celtics going to get going to against the Blazers. I'm, I'm intrigued in that game as well because the Blazers need every win right now. They need everything right. they can get. And, uh, and the Celtics, we already know how, how elite Jason Taylor's been playing lately. So I know they're going to come out firing in this game as well. But I think that that right there has the makers of being a, a pretty competitive basketball game. Supreme basketball game tonight. TNT doing its job there for sure. And for myself <laughs> and Mike, we want to say so long from now. Inside Studio Z. You've missed some of our recordings or some of our episodes? Have no fear. The Sebi Podcast experience is still here. You can check us out at our website at sebipodcast.info. Again, that is sebipodcast.info for any of our audio segments on Spotify and iTunes and some of our streaming visuals on our YouTube website and links there at sebipodcast.info some cool merch if you want to dm us and send us all of your email requests we'll be sure to get them here on the sebi podcast experience and remember folks whether you're listening on air or viewing online sebi podcast is wherever you go and that is the slogan